that was a disturbing movie. Probably yes. one more. Another moment was him being like, don't bury me. I'm not dead. I was like repeating that in my mind going to sleep for years. Oh, like, oh no. no. Haunting, man. Like, I wish the happier things would have stuck with me, like Pee Wee's Playhouse or something like that. <laughs> but, man, with a no. bloody cross on his forehead talking about don't bury me. It was wild, wild times. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but prefer the classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. What a dream. Like, you guys have, like, a thorough, in-depth conversation about every single scary movie. I can't believe I caught one. Yes. Uh, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry, and we have Julia. <laughs> and I'm so excited. I'm, like, uh, over the moon. You have no idea. For This is our 200th episode, and we are elated to have one of my favorite people of all time, uh, guest and now new friend of the show, Keenan. Mother freaking Thompson. He has been on our TV and movie screens since pretty much nonstop since 1994. From his breakout starring roles on the hit Nickelodeon shows, all that, Keenan and Kel, then to shows like Wild and Out, and his legendary freaking tenure as the longest running cast member of SNL for the last two decades. Ooh. Over the moon excited. Yes, what, what? To welcome the Emmy Award winning legend and king of comedy and star of the new hit show, Keenan, Keenan Thompson. Welcome. Wow, the bicentennial. I love it. <laughs> Congratulations. You've done 200. Episodes. That's incredible. How this long have you been doing this? How long did it take you to get to 200? Three About years. Three years. Three yeah. years. Wow, that's so wild. God we bless are you. That's what, your fans should be proud because that's dedication for sure. No, honestly, it's the thing I've done more than church, like in the last few years. You know what I mean? Like every week <laughs> doing this show and getting to talk about our favorite movies. And we we're just over the moon excited. And do you um, to hear have... a movie every single time or is it different topics sometimes? It's Pretty usually a... just a movie a week. And so we just di delve deep about like, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes. And our thing is details that no one else notices. Like that's our joy. So that's like amazing. little tiny things that people say that people wouldn't necessarily pay attention to. Like that's what we love. That's amazing. And, yeah. We take lots of notes and all that stuff and nerd out. So Keenan, why do you love horror? And how did you what, tell us about your like horror um, genesis, like how you got into it? Well, I mean, I'm not like a super duper like you know horror like expert or anything but i definitely remember being scared by a lot of movies back in the day and then i finally like hit an age where i could actually go back and watch those movies without being scared and actually enjoy them for the writing or how crappy they were or <laughs> why was i scared of it in the first place or just like wild things that people don't know like you said you know what i mean like lots of you know naked boobies or whatever you know what i mean just like <laughs> Why is that in a horror movie? But, you know, it was the 80s or it was the 70s or whatever. And, you know, it was just a wild time. But 
I am a big fan of zombies, though. That's like my one go-to genre, even though we're talking about a different movie today. But zombies would always get me. It was like the most terrifying genre for me. So once I hit an age where it didn't scare me anymore, I just became obsessed. I love that. What is your favorite zombie movie? Uh, I think Dawn of the Dead, this resurgence was pretty great. Like seeing full speed zombies kind of blew my mind. Um, but the original too, the one like, well, I mean, the, the remake of the original with Tony Todd is still a pretty, pretty good one. Well, you nice. have a, a connection to the original Dawn of the Dead because uh, you've worked with Ken Foray. Oh, no, that's uh, Night of the Living Dead. I'm talking Tony Todd. Right. That's Night of the Living Dead. Sorry. That's a good one. But yeah, the original Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. My dad, Ken Foray was in it. <laughs> he survived. But that movie wasn't as, as great as the, the newer one. It was cool. And it was like mm-hmm. conceptually cool with them living up in the mall and stuff. Super 70s. The the effects yeah. were very like, they were like albino zombies instead of just like zombies. <laughs> <laughs> but they do, it does have a, a zombie with a sombrero on it. So, you know, points for that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gotta love it. You gotta love gotta it. Love it. Absolutely. Um, Keenan, I want to talk a little about your career as well, too, while we have you as well. Um, and just like what your favorite roles have been. And and if you were to do be in a horror movie, what kind of movie would you want to be in as well? I mean, my so far, my favorites. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess Nickelodeon was a great time because it was my childhood and stuff like that. But I mean, the adult version of my entire Nickelodeon experience is kind of being mirrored now. Like I went from sketch to sitcom and that's kind of what's going on right now. Going from SNL to my own sitcom. So really cool and kismet to to see it all play out, how it's playing out. But if I had to pick a favorite, I don't know. I mean, I feel like like the SNL days is hard to compare to, but the innocence and fun and eagerness we had when we were doing all that in the first couple of seasons was, was probably just a real sweet time. It's pretty golden. You guys, the joy you all exude is like, I feel like you still have that about you though. You're like the youngest looking, looking person who's been in this industry forever. Um, <laughs> and the joy <laughs> that you have. The black ass crack. <laughs> yeah. I, I call it reparations of the face. That's um, right. <laughs> that's what I say. That's how we're going to keep it. Um, I love that. Um, and I also just want to give you props for, you know, making a stand and making sure that more black people got cast on the show um, on SNL and, and more black women as well, especially. So, sure. I mean, yeah, you know, I was patting myself on the back for holding it down kind of solo for a couple of few years, but then it just got to be like, all right, well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you guys think I'm good and everything, but I feel like there's plenty of room for, for others, for sure. So, Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. And um, so do you feel like the show is more Black now? Do you feel it? Like, I love, like, stepping, you know, <laughs> stepping to the polls and all the good stuff you guys have been doing lately as well. Thank you very much. That was a, that was a great one. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of history set there in my tenure there with, like, you know, me being the longest, Che being the first one on the update desk, first head writer, you know, and then like the amount of, you know, people of color in the cast right now is, is just, you know, more than it's ever been, in my opinion. And we have, you know, Bo and Yang covering, you know, our Asian persuasion and our, our and our gays. So like we're, he's we're, killing we're it, too. Yes. Oh, he's incredible. He's absolutely incredible. Fab. Fab. Well, I want to, since we only have you for a little bit here, I want to dive in a little bit more into um, 
I guess, why you chose the movie we're going to talk about today. Well, I mean, I was looking at the list and I was like, man, I wanted to do like movies that really shook me when I was a kid. And then I rewatched and they weren't scary at all. Like Salem's Lot, you know, like yes. you know, for what, whatever reason, it was like the brothers shortcutting on their way home. And then one of them didn't make it and it turned into a vampire just haunted me like crazy. Um, yeah, as a little kid, right? Like that's a terrifying thing. And especially if you're coming terrifying. back in like immortal kid form. And floating in the window and all that, it was just like way too gnarly. Like I, it was too many things going on for me to process. Like, <laughs> his death, why are his teeth so long? Why is he floating? Like I kind of only knew about just like surface level ghosts. You know what I mean? I don't even know if I knew about vampires yet. So it, was, it just tripped me out. And then the second one is just like insanely whack. Then <laughs> 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 this guy's just doing like porno scenes basically. But anyway, um, Interview That's good with, order, right? <laughs> yeah, interview with a vampire hadn't been covered, and it is a more than hilarious attempt at a horror movie. So you can call it that just because it's vampire. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about Vampire in Brooklyn from 1995, a Wes Craven classic, and Eddie Murphy, another icon of SNL. So, um, what what do you love about Vampire in Brooklyn? I, I mean, it's a one-of-a-kind movie, number one. It was the, the one time Eddie ever stepped into horror, which kind of, I mean, it opened the gates for, like, Snoop Dogg to come behind it and do, you know, Hood of Horror or whatever and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Show his intrigue in being a weird, creepy, tall, long-fingernailed type of a character. <laughs> but Eddie just was, you know, in, in the mode of, being able to tackle anything, you know, and this was his step out into like, all right, I'll, I'll be a vampire all of a sudden in Brooklyn with wavy hair and a Caribbean accent. Like, sure, like let's go down this road, and I, you know, it's so fun, be, isn't it? That's it's just, just to be able to go in any direction you want. Yeah, and it's it's just wild. Like you have to go into it without wanting it to be like you know effects perfect or the makeup being perfect or anything and just kind of enjoy the ride and you'll have much more fun with it for sure but when it came out in theaters everybody was like oh snap any movie doing like eddie murphy's doing like a, a scary horror movie man and then when they saw it it was like oh this is jokes <laughs> I, it's comedy I, I, horror i really like him though i i think I, I think he's very attractive and sexy and like doing that kind of like seriously sexy oh, thing it showed his chops. It showed that he wanted to like spread his wings past just being like the quip guy or whatever. Like he left most of the quipping up to Kadeem Hardison, who quipped that whole movie to pieces. Oh my gosh! Him and John Witherspoon oh. flippity flopping in and flippity flopping, <laughs> flip flopping and all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like just literally, literally chewing the scenery, those two. Um, yeah. What performances. And this was also uh, written uh, partially by Eddie Murphy, along with uh, his brother and uh, also Vernon Lynch, Michael Lucker and Chris Parker. So we have the like Eddie Murphy humor in there in the script. Big time. Big time. I mean, him and Charlie put that together. That's dope. I like yeah. that. I would love to know the genesis of how they decided like this was the story like because obviously he if they're writing if they can tell any story they want like this is the one they chose to tell. Like remember that dude we used to see on the corner in Brooklyn? I bet you that dude was a vampire, man. <laughs> 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 that was a brilliant idea. Like let's do it. Vampire in Brooklyn. 
Absolutely. And then all the different characters we get in this of like the that Eddie, of course, cannot just play one character in anything. No, um, was that his Guido character? That was amazing. Preacher Polly was amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, also, we haven't mentioned the fact that Angela Bassett is the star of the whole thing. You know, yes. she's incredible. She makes just, everything believable. She was so good in it. And just at her peak, too. I mean, she's like one of these people, like, not even say she's at her peak. She's at her peak again now. Like, she still looks, like, amazing. She's just at, like, plateaued on that peak since she started. Like, she just hit yeah. it and never she stopped. started out on that peak. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> For sure. Um, and then, uh, what's my man's name? Alan Payne. Yes, Alan Payne. Incredibly great. Like, another believable actor that can just, you know, make a obvious, like, backlot studio street set look real <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> their commitment like really really committed performers so i, I like it. that they they have a fun with it um we have a so terry and i are really big into renfield renfield is kind of our favorite character in the in the dracula legend and this is uh, such a different take on on a, on a renfield you have the kind of comedic renfield which you never ever get mm -mm. I mean, you get the, like you know the black version of it so it's like <laughs> the Kadeem Hardison version of Renfield. And like, he wasn't necessarily overly known for being like, you know, the joke man throughout the entire movie. I mean, he did it, you know, a lot in what in White Man Can't Jump or what, whatever, but yeah. for some reason we just associated with him with Dwayne Wayne so much and he was just more like of a cool cat or whatever. Like, you know, yeah, I'm like a college kid in the nineties, you know, backpack music and all that. <laughs> and then, to see him just going off in this movie. And then he gets the powers at the end, you know, spoiler alert, but man. <laughs> we love spoilers. It's all right. It's totally fine. And we're delighted we, because he gets wonderfully rewarded, which Renfield almost never, do they never does. They never do. They never they, they do. They never reward Renfield, right? They just use and abuse. That's, that's, yeah, because that's the, the vampire always tells him that he'll be wonderfully rewarded for his service, and then he never is. And that's the, that's the tragedy of his character. But when he well, gets to, like, be the... the yeah, sorry, not to cut you. Go ahead, sorry. No, just that he gets to be the, the, the now he gets rewarded and he gets to be the leader and like live his dream life now. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, and he flipped right into it. He grew dreadlocks and he was all cool <laughs> and apparently well endowed all of a sudden. Like, congratulations. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen uh, this, this power in a vampire movie where somebody, the vampire can actually become somebody else, but like also retain that person's memories. I love it. Oh yeah, yeah. They took a lot of like Dracula liberties. Basically, I was gonna ask like, what monster genre has been like redone the most? Probably Dracula, right? I feel it's like one of the top. Yeah, one of the top vampires or zombies. I think would probably be the ghosts. Probably yeah. the top ones. Yeah. We we generally say if you don't know how to kill something, fire is generally a good 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 way. It um, works, except for ghosts. But uh, yeah, they're the only ones you can't kill. Yeah, because they're already dead. I guess. Well, so are vampires technically too. Anyway, uh, but yeah, fire is usually the way to get rid of them. But um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. can we ask, like, what is what is the scariest horror movie that you've ever seen? The scariest I've ever seen when I was a kid. Yeah, Salem's Lot had me fucked up. I mean, between that, like Pet Cemetery, when the kid came back. I guess it's it's moments. You know, like the, mm -hmm. the old movies, probably like the Nightmare on Elm Streets had me like pretty shook. The first yes. two, I think. By the third one, it got kind of ridiculous. But the yeah. first, sure. And I would put Jason up there, but Jason was too much like 
camp, weird, you know, peekaboo-ish, like look at the chicks in the bathroom. They like, just very like, might as well have been meatballs in a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard those two uttered in a sentence together. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like that, in the, especially the first one. Um, but that was like kind of the slasher genre in the beginning anyway, it's just very like exploitative. But uh, the one that the ones that were really scary, I remember Cujo scaring me pretty good. Um, that one holds up. We watched that one last year for the, the podcast and we did a yeah. whole Stephen King round and that little Danny Pintaro in that back of that car. Mm-mm. Oh, my God, just dehydrated and freaking. I was like, what's wrong with him? Like, why is he like almost just like having a seizure? Like, I didn't understand dehydration and stuff like that. I was just like, wow, it's just this movie is crazy. And we had I grew up across the street from a St. Bernard. So it was just like <gasps> double the effect, basically. The skin. Oh, no. We never saw him, but we always heard him, you know. It was just it was like we were living in the sandlot almost. It was crazy. <laughs> um, but the ones that like really shook me, shook me to my core was yeah, zombie movies all day. Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, just yeah. I didn't I didn't sit well with those <laughs> those nights. If you were gonna if you were gonna make a horror movie yourself, what kind would you make? Would you make a zombie film? Yeah, only because like people try to it's hard to do Dracula at this point without doing it with a lot of liberties and powers and stuff like that. So if you get it wrong, it can be like really corny. But if you get it right, it could be like, I don't know, that latest Dracula with, uh, what's my man's name from whatever. They went back into like the medieval times Dracula and he like, when he was falling. Is this the new series? No, it's the new movie that came out like maybe two or three years ago or something. I think it was just oh, called Dracula. There's so many. Yeah, <laughs> so many. Um, but this one, he like was chasing his like falling loved one out the window and he like turned into bats when he was flying. And he was like, he couldn't catch up with her. So he was trying so hard he could like turn into bats and stuff. It was a cool effect or whatever. But anyway, that was a good one just because they mixed the effects and kind of the tale of how he turned into Dracula in the first place. And that scene when he like met the vampire in the cave or whatever was well done. So, you know, it's hit or miss. So I wouldn't, I'd be worried about missing zombies. You can't really go wrong. It's like outnumbered and they move weird and whatever you think you can do, you know, you just got to be careful because they'll come popping up anywhere. If you get a little scratch, you're going to turn into a zombie. That's what scares me the most. Right. Yeah. Would you do the pandemic of it all? Yeah. yeah. Would you do slow yeah. or fast zombies? Fast zombies is terrifying now that I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. I mean, there is a thing about the impending doom of slow moving zombies, but that fast zombies is just like, that's just terrifying. Yeah. Like 28 days later, we did for our 100th episode uh, in the fastest zombies and the craziest. Yeah. They're terrifying. Terrifying. So, what came first? Like the new Dawn of the Dead or 28 days later? 28 days later. Ah, burn. Well, I guess I didn't watch it before the new Dawn of the Dead. Because that was the time I saw, like, oh, snap. Like, what if the zombie could run faster than you? I'm dead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much it. Well, this is, you know, this is what we talk about here on the Horror Movie Survival Guide, right? Like, the idea of the whole show is, like, how do you survive a horror film? Man. Um, Do you, what are are some tips? Do you have some tips? Get out early, you know, pay attention to the radio. You see things going on, just pack it up immediately and, and, you know, leave everything behind as you can 
don't take the freeways, <laughs> you know, take as many back streets as possible and get away from people, man. But that's, you know, a lot easier said than done when the chaos is happening. Seriously. It's just We're awful. glad you said listen to the radio because that is number one, one of our number one tips is always listen to the radio. They always tell you. I get so mad when they're not listening and you're like, they're giving you exposition. They're giving you all the information. It's on the TV. Where it's going down, like where to stay away from. Like that's the first emergency action response system we have. So it's like, you got to tap into the oldest version of things to get the newest information. It's just so backwards. (laughs) That's so true. Well, Julie and I are both Luddites. So I think we're going to be all right. I have like this old jam box from the nineties that I still keep to listen to the radio in the morning. So tell you like get a battery powered wind up radio or something like you need those survival things because it might not be zombies. It might be a virus. What? A virus? Ah. (laughs) You have like a bug out kit. Do you have a whole plan or what what you got? I don't. I just try to keep more than a half a tank of gas in the car. Yeah, that, yeah. That's my whole plan. Not a Good great start. Yeah, yeah. It's hard when you live in a big city, though. Like if you live in LA, you live in New York. Like you're kind of in, you're kind of in trouble. Like that's when living yeah. out in the country benefits you. I'm constantly thinking about that. Like when I when I see the fact that I'm stuck in the middle of a big city with like millions of people, I'm like, all right, I'm surrounded by water on this island of Manhattan. How can I possibly get out of here if they just happen to shut all the bridges and tunnels for whatever reason? Ooh. Oh, God. It's just like, yo, all right, I'm going to run down here to this marina and start beating up people until I can figure out how to get a boat in the water or something. (laughs) Man, no, I definitely had that weird anxiety. I remember the first time visiting New York and driving into Manhattan. I, like, thought the city had, like, a heartbeat. I just remember seeing it from the bridge and, like, it looked like it was just, like, pulsating and so many people. It's overwhelming. It really, it can be. You know, I mean, L.A. is the same kind of thing, like, you go up on one of these mountains and really start looking out at how many, like, you know, little, tiny, little, you know, electronic windows of light you see. And it's like inside somebody's life. And it's just like millions mm-hmm. of them. It's like, man, well, how do I make a splash on this world like that? If there's so many people, like, what am I supposed to do? You know, it's it's it can be very off-putting, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But you've also entertained millions of people. So I think that you've done pretty well for yourself from that standpoint. I thank you very much. But I think I got into it before I knew the scale of everything, which kind of helped me be a little more fearless. Like if I got into it as an adult, knowing that Atlanta's checking in, you know, Nashville, Mm -hmm. (laughs) name all these cities is like, you know, and I probably know people in all those places just from, you know, being alive or family members or whatever. That, that's a lot of pressure to, to try to come up with something from scratch that you think will reach and entertain all of those people. So it's best to kind of like keep a bubble mentality and just do what makes you happy. And then if people can respond to what's making you happy, you can always keep that barometer and not necessarily depend on test audiences in a bunch of different regions and stuff like that. You can just do what makes you happy and then people will enjoy that and that tried to keep that motto pretty much. Keenan, you're speaking our love language right now. Like that's like what we're about. We just always are like, well, we just do this thing. We would come and like talk about movies together and hang out and like share joy no matter what. And we're happy when people join in and want to like chat with us like you or or hang out and enjoy the show. That's like our dream. I'm telling and you, people respond to that kind of stuff for sure. You know, like 
I don't think anybody wants a catered to experience because every person is different, you know? So a lot of people just want to be on the other side of the fence. Like, oh, everybody likes that movie. Well, I hate that movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. How far down the West Craven road was this movie? So he'd done, uh, what was that movie in the electric chair? Uh, the shocker. So, uh, so Wes Craven's first movie is from 1971. That's uh, the last house on the left. And then he's, so he did really hardcore stuff at first and then kind of got into the slasher genre in the eighties and then goes into kind of uh, weirder, more social commentary stuff in the nineties. So people under the stairs and like that kind of ilk. And then into scream. He did people under the stairs too. That's right. I just worked with Sean Whalen. He came and did a, uh, a character on the show. He couldn't be nicer. I could not have been more scared of him as a kid. <laughs> he was in the movie with my buddy Brandon, who's my fellow Mighty Duck uh, alumni. So yeah, I have an affinity for that movie as well. Like that movie just blew my mind. So this is after People Under the Stairs, which was like what eighty four. I think it's 83? right. It should be just a couple like years right before, before this. Maybe ninety one then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just keeps going, Wes Craven. Doesn't stop. After you were saying that he did Scream right after, which is so crazy. Because you think Interviewing a Vampire was earlier and Scream was later for some reason. But they were like so close behind each other. That's wild. Yeah. So, yeah, Vampire in Brooklyn, I think, is like also has more of that comedy element that you would get more so into Scream. So it's like he got like ushered in through different styles, you know? He really does run the. And have a funny, scary. The 70s had to be so scary. Everything was so serious and based on like real life. Like everything scary was based on what could actually happen. Like that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. If, if you haven't seen Last House of the Left, I don't know if I can recommend it. It's really, really, really brutal. Like, not fun horror movie, but it's also incredibly brilliant. Yeah, crazy. Did we give John Witherspoon enough credit? I don't know. If we no, did. no. We can we talk can more we talk about, about him? him? Please. Yeah, please. So, like, is anybody funnier than John Witherspoon? <laughs> I honestly, I don't think so because he could just, he just shows up. You know what I mean, though? And it's like, he'll just say two, two things or one thing, just like, I'm watching you. And it's yeah. like you're already on the floor. Like it was like he was the original Tracy Morgan, basically. Just yes. Wild stuff, you know, and like Tracy's like the young version of of John or something. Like I don't know, just his cadence and you know the way he talks to everybody. Like you don't know this that and the other, but you know, get him out of my face. Yeah, you're a young man, you're a young punk. Yeah, I used to like that in '62, '63. <laughs> He's relatable though too. I feel like I feel like everybody's got an uncle like this or somebody in their family. I, mean, I don't know. Like you want to like hang out with him because he's just like that neighborhood old man yelling at everybody, but you still love him. And he knows all the he knows all the neighborhood gossip. We know that. Yes. Um, the thing I love about him as an actor is that he looks like he's always having a blast. I feel like yeah. it comes through in his performances. Yeah, I mean, he looks like it, I saw this. Uh, have you seen Richard Pryor's roast? Mm-hmm. No. So Richard, probably the greatest roast I'd ever seen. I mean, it was one of the first I'd seen, but I didn't understand the concept of the roast. Like, I didn't understand that the person getting roasted was able to roast everybody back at the end. So, like, one of the mm-hmm. I saw was Richard, and it just blew my mind because everybody roasted him, and then he destroyed everybody. <laughs> and it's a young John Witherspoon up there with like an open shirt and a medallion, gold medallion. 
you know, like an afro, you know, and it's just amazing to see those dudes young. And, you know, if you don't see that, your only kind of awareness of him is as an older, you know, kind of trash talker in movies and stuff like that. So it, w- it was cool to put those things together and, and see him still as jolly as he was in his elder years in his younger days. So like, that's obviously just him basically. Yeah. That's his essence. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I just, you know, obviously Friday and all that too. I just, I, he's so good. Anybody. He's just so good. From the, the opening, who gets laughs in the opening credits? <laughs> Ordering food in his sleep. Like God, he's he's a brilliant, brilliant performer. So funny. So yeah, all the flowers in the world for John Witherspoon. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's cool to uh, Angela Bassett came right off of Strange Days onto this. So this was, you know, wow. we have this like super hardcore, like apocalyptic action movie, and then you have her, and she's equally as badass in this, right? And, like showing off those guns yeah. as she should. Yeah. But also like a softer character, which is fun. A softer character who can draw and see the future, <laughs> like like pull it down, <laughs> and and is a match for an ancient vampire. Which and I buy it. I'm like, yeah, you yeah. are. I also didn't mind the like Afro Caribbean of it all either. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's bring the whole Dracula genre into the black world for real, for real. Take it back mm-hmm. to the Egyptian. Yeah. yeah, and this is actually just a couple of years after Serpent of the Rainbow, which Wes Craven also did, which is, you know, talking about voodoo. Um, and we have some of the same actors from that as well. So, you know, bringing them together, kind of kind of a cool idea. That was a disturbing movie. Probably yes. one more. Another moment was him being like, don't bury me. I'm not dead. I was like repeating that in my mind, going to sleep for years. Oh, like, oh no. no. Haunting, man. Like, I wish... The happier things would have stuck with me, like Pee Wee's Playhouse or something like that. What he cross on his forehead, talking about don't bury me. It was wild, wild times. Yeah, things affect you in a different way and just stay with you. Yay, nightmares. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, but I love that that Eddie is also I, I I just called this this is like the vampire coming to America as well a little bit because it's like he's a guy going to New York looking at, in a specific borough for a woman you know like it's it's very similar kind of story here it's so crazy and like the greatest like scary guy directors you know like the people that just make the most terrifying things all seem like they couldn't be nicer people you know what I mean like. Stephen King, I hear, is very sweet and subdued and, you know, soft and funny even, you know, kind of quiet or whatever. And then, like... I'm a Stephen King bizarre, like, b- bananas nerd. Yeah. You know, Julie's making a Stephen King short, actually. she's Her next meeting after today, this is a production meeting for her short film that she's making of, Steve, of Stephen King. Is he nice, then? Have you met oh, him? Oh, I haven't met him, um, but I have a contract with him. <laughs> incredible another one zombie you know i hear is just very like quiet and chill you know mellow but he makes crazy fucking shit yeah we've actually found uh, the horror community to be to be one of the most kind and welcoming communities there is and i think what? you know it is because there's this connection especially you think about watching a horror movie in a theater where there's a huge audience and the energy that everybody you know goes through all together of being scared yeah. and it does become this communal thing it's infectious for sure. Absolutely. That's so interesting. I mean, because that's kind of like what you want to make. You know, if you really want to make a movie, you want to get a reaction out of people. I know comics do. You know, that's yes. all we fish for all day. So that's, that's wild. I get that. Yeah. 
And it's where a lot of people start their careers. We were talking about that recently, too, where so many people before, no matter what genre they end up ultimately working in, find some sort of common ground, I think, within horror. Um, We're all connected by our fears. Like you said, it's the stuff that does stay with you for the rest of your life. You know, those things that are um, were galvanized in those audiences together. Uh, That's wild. Fear, joy. Fear and safety in numbers. (laughs) But think about how, you know, think about how great it's going to be when it'll be safe for us to all go back into a theater and watch, you know, a a rip-roaring comedy on opening day with hundreds of people and hearing them all laugh. Like, what, what a beautiful day it's going to be. It was, I still to this day, like one of my greater moving on experiences was uh, Andy Samberg and those guys put a screening of, uh, what was that movie? Uh, God, now I got to Google it. Sorry. That's all right. Google it. But it was a room full of comedians, like all watch. Oh, Beowulf. <laughs> we are <laughs> probably maybe. 30, 40 comedians watching Beowulf together, and it could not have been the funnier, funniest two hours <laughs> I've ever experienced in my life. Just quips from everybody, just like complimenting, but also trashing it at the same time. It was the best. I can wow. only imagine. You guys probably roasted that movie the whole time. I can only imagine. Unbelievable, because everybody gave it, you know, as much, you know, focus and attention as they could for the entire first scene, and then somebody cracked a joke, and it was all from there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's like MST3K, like on steroids or something. That's a lot. That's great. Seriously, it it was incredible. Just because, yeah, that movie is just a lot to even process. So <laughs> to like <laughs> process it with other like funny people was just such a such a blast. So can you talk to us a little bit about what you have coming up? I know you always have a billion things you're working on. So tell us what you're excited about. Oh yeah, I mean my podcast as well. Like I'm very excited Please. about that. Tell us. Tell us. Um, it's called You Already Know. Uh, we're up to like 46 that we just started like around January of last year, basically. And, you know, we're a year or so into it. And it's fun. You know, just me and my buddy started out, you know, a, you know, a very similar situation. Just a love of movies and, and TV shows and mm-hmm. also the behind the scenes of what makes projects tick or how did this project come together as far as the people involved and blah, blah, blah. And just talking about the business on, on both ends, being a fan and, you know, being a fan of the people that made it, whether it was the writer or early Tarantino days or whatever it is, you know, just nuances and stuff like that. And then the pandemic hit and then Black Lives Matter came out and it was just, it turned into like a weekly, like recap of what's going on and how we're feeling about it. And, you know, sprinkle back in with some entertainment stuff here and there, but shit got so serious for a long time that we were just basically reporting on that stuff for a while. But mm-hmm. now we're kind of back to the silly and, you know, I put my uh, wardrobe guy that's working on it on, on my show over here onto it. And he <laughs> likes to it when he's doing his gardening work, he said he's hooked. He's like, oh. so it's deep. And he only like started listening like three days ago. It's like, yes, <laughs> you got him. That's you got him. So, that's exciting. I mean, you know, our whole like venture into the podcast was to figure out a way to start a podcast company. So mm. just measure the lay of the land with, you know, just our conversational thing, as opposed to like coming out with the scripted series or anything like that. We just kind of wanted to figure out how it all worked just with a podcast of us talking. And then since we've been doing that, we've developed like 10 other ones that are all coming behind it or something. So. Yeah. What? So you're producing a bunch of shows, it sounds like, then. Yeah. And, you know, podcasting is 
great farmland for any of those things to, you know, start swimming upstream and turn into books or TV shows or movies yes. or whatever. It's just, it's, it's good, uh, good, uh, good soil basically for ideas. I and think the cool thing about it as well is like it le- allows people to really be themselves and, thousand percent. you know, and people fall in love with the person as who they are. That was the main thing I heard was like, Oh snap, man. Like I, I've always known you one specific way. And now I actually get to know the real you because mm-hmm. I don't have to put on any specific sort of, you know, attitude. Basically I can just react to what my buddy is doing. He's like the hype one basically. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, people just love that because I guess whatever versions they get that are close to myself, it's still like an interview or something. So I feel like I have to make it, you know, entertaining still. But a podcast, I can be as boring as I want or as entertaining as I want. And, you know, it, people it's still want to listen. <laughs> yeah, you just show up. Yeah, it's it's nice. So that is a cool one. And then you know, of course, we're gonna come up with like different podcasts that are way more specific, like you know. Maybe like uh, recapping like an SNL show or mm-hmm. recapping a week with all of these people and make that like a concept or something. And just continuing to try to figure out, you know, what we can make and what we can sell, basically. Yeah. Yeah. While doing uh, a billion other things as well. You're, you're, yeah. Production company, hopefully, will start launching some stuff, basically. And, you know, just trying to stay busy and do the business. <laughs> I mean, I think you've successfully done that for the jillion years. Like you're killing it. Like you've been busy this whole time. I feel like so. No, thank you. I, I like, love it. I like to be busy. Same, same, same. I have like two other podcasts now. Julia's on another podcast now too. Live that life. I'm telling you. <laughs> Terry actually just started a podcast with her um, with her brother called Our Black History, where she's talking to her family and, and people about uh, their lives and what it's like to grow up and especially what it's like now to look back as well. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Now is the time to do all that stuff, you know, because yeah. it can be one click away and you got, you know, content within, if you talk for an hour, you know, that's an hour's worth of content that you're doing, sitting on the couch or wherever you are, whatever you stay committed to that. You'll be up to 200 episodes in three years. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> sell it, get it back in a year, resell it to somebody else, get it back. You know what I mean? Like you guys are onto something awesome here. So I wish you nothing but all the success in the world with this. And please have me back so we can talk about another movie. But I have to go fishing because y'all even covered Pumpkinhead. I was going to bring up Pumpkinhead. <laughs> they already did You'd be yeah. surprised. There's some weird deep dives. Yeah, we've definitely gotten into because Julia, it started with Julia and her and one of her best friends in college, like watching every VHS in the horror section of the video store. That's so cool. it's hard, hardcore, hardcore. We're nerds to the to the X extreme. Do you do scanners? Uh, we haven't done scanners. What? Wow. All right. That's the next no. one. You come Wait, back right, on. We'll talk we'll about scanners. Please. Scanners. That'll be for the 250. Yeah. <laughs> we're so so happy to have you and uh where are you on social media where people can find you i at keenan thompson across the board basically i'm, right. a, I'm a new like that i wish i had a, a better nickname but it was just easier to do it that way verification wise you know what i'm saying gotta get that blue check <laughs> oh one day we'll, we'll we we aspire one day we're we'll so have close we're so close i use my full name too that's my nickname my friends joke with me like what's your nickname is terry gamble that's my full name just that's it that's the, that's the name <laughs> that's that's me that that's who i've been named and that's what i go by 
and we have to thank the power of social media for making this happen as well. This all came from an Instagram comment. How crazy is that? It can happen to you, kids. Yeah, you stumble upon something really cool. There's a whole thing that was happening. Look at y'all, 200 deep now. That's amazing. Dreams do come true. Can't you literally are making my dream come true right now? I'm, you don't understand how big I'm smiling right now, and I'm trying to keep it together because, <laughs> well, you, <laughs> I really am. I'm like, what's up with that? Um, just trying to keep it together. Um, um, thank you. So, so happy and just overjoyed that you joined us today. And I we couldn't have celebrated our 200th episode any better. This gives us such delight. Thank you for like, celebrating um, with us. Honestly, and if you need. And if you need any, oh, you wish you'd brought a cake, you can send us one. That's fine. I'll give you the address. Yes. Um, but also, if you need somebody to play your sister ever on your show, I'm just here, you know, just just ready Good. to play uh, your sister in anything you do. Tell tell the people. I, I'm, I'm a second city trained, you know, comedy person as well. So oh, see you're making all- sketches, hanging out, dreaming about hanging out with you and Chris Red and, and Don Johnson. So. Oh, <laughs> it's a dream. We're so very blessed, you know, and we're so blessed to have found each other and been able to like, you know, put our heads together and, and come up with, you know, the show that we're doing. We're having so much fun with it. Like Chris is the best, man. And and Don Johnson, like, I don't know if people realize how funny he is. Like that dude loves to laugh and he gets it, you know, he gets the formulation of comedy and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been a real pleasure you know, getting this whole thing started and hopefully we'll be able to watch it blossom into whatever it's going to be. You know, like a lot of shows find themselves later on down the line anyway. So if we're starting here, I can only imagine, you know, how much better it's going to be to get. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Keenan Thompson. I'll say Keenan mother freaking Thompson. Um, Thank you so much. We wish you all the luck as well. Thank you so much.